0: Just as in the way of introduction, there's a couple very crucial points as we get into the study of Genesis. Number one um, that we heard early on in this fellowship, that is all the seeds of the divine revelation are sown in the book of Genesis. From Genesis 1 all the way through, there's just seed after seed after seed sown. And then it's developed throughout the scriptures and then it concludes and consummates It reaches its fruition at the end of the Bible with the New Jerusalem. So to, to do this study of Genesis is very crucial because we see all the seeds of what's in God's heart. That's number one. Number two, when we're getting into the book of Genesis, we have to have a principle when we're interpreting the word and when we're sharing from the word. Well, our governing principle based on the revelation that God has given to us is is this. God's desire is to work himself into his chosen and redeemed people that he could gain an expression of himself. So this this is our principle. This is the governing vision that we're under when we're getting into all these points of Genesis. God's desire, his intention is to work himself into his chosen and redeemed people to gain his expression. Right. So we're going to touch this point from a lot of different angles. So last week, you touched on the matter of knowing God and experience the God of who? Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in order that we could be the Israel God? Right. Okay, so this is, a, this is a big, big point. When Moses was sent to Pharaoh... He said, who do I say sent me? And he said, you need to tell him Jehovah has sent you. I am the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. It's very striking. He was the God of these three persons. So for us as believers, and he's also said that this would be his name forever. forever. It would be an eternal memorial to God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. So if we want God to be our guide, then we need to enter into all the experiences that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob had. So that's why we're spending the time to get into the detail of the lives of these three men, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. So last week was a kind of introduction. Now we're going to start getting into some of this detail. And the first person on the list is Abraham. Um, So if you look at the title here, it's what living by faith being today's river crossers to live the life of the altar and the tent. So these are all highlights of the life that Abraham lived and the experiences that he had of God. One, he lived by faith. Two, he was a river crosser. And three, his life was characterized by an altar and a tent. Okay, so let's read together Genesis 12, 1 through 2. Now Jehovah said to Abraham, Go from your land and from your well and from your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. So this was God's promise to Abraham. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. That was his promise to him. And the first time he made... This is actually the second time he made this promise. The first time he made it was when Abraham was in Mesopotamia in a city called Ur of the Chaldees. And so God appeared to him there. We don't see that in Genesis, but in the book of Acts, in chapter 7, Stephen gives us the history. And he tells us, actually, God first appeared to Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia. But if you read the history back in Genesis... It says, actually, it was Abraham's father, Mm -hmm. Terah, who got them to leave Ur of Chaldees. So that's a little window into Abraham. He's the father of faith, but he wasn't actually that faithful. He wasn't like a giant of faith. He was really more like you and me. So as we get into the story of Abraham, we'll realize he's not so far from who we are. Mm -hmm. So he didn't, uh, there wasn't so much believing in Abraham when he began this journey. In fact, his father is the one who had to help him get out. So, but this basically in Genesis 12, we see God's, God's word to, uh, to Abraham. So I just wanted to highlight some points that have come out in the fellowship this week. Some of these you may have gotten into in your Bible studies if you're, if you're in the uh, Genesis Bible study. First point is faith. What is faith? Okay, let's read Hebrews 11 1 together and see the definition of faith. Now, faith is the substantiation of things hoped for, the, the conviction of things not seen. Simple definition, right? Faith is what? It substantiates what we hope for and it also convicts us concerning what we haven't seen. That's faith. Faith is the assurance, the confidence, The confirmation, the reality, the essence, the supporting ground of what? Of the things we hope for. The foundation that supports the things hoped for. It also convinces us of what we don't see. All the things in the divine revelation are in the unseen realm. How do we substantiate these things? How do we get convicted concerning these things? Faith. Okay. Now you might think, well... You know, even you hear this expression, oh yeah, that person's got a lot of faith. Yeah. You know, as if it's kind of like that that person is a really great quarterback. Or that guy, he is a really smart person. It's like you're naturally endowed with something that's called faith. Yeah. And some have it and some don't have it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But according to the revelation in the scriptures, yeah. according to Ephesians two eight, faith is what? It's the gift of God. It's the God. Gift of God. <laughs> So if you're a court low on faith, you have to remember, faith is the gift of God. Yeah. God is the source of our faith. Right. Yeah. Also, a second point we have to see is that with faith, there's always an object. There's an object of our faith that we're substantiating, right? Okay, let's read together Romans 3.22. Even the righteousness of God through the faith of Jesus Christ from all of those who Okay, here it says the faith of Jesus Christ, and it also can be translated faith in Jesus Christ. Is it the faith of Jesus Christ or is it faith in Jesus Christ? Actually, it's both. Let me read this to you. This faith refers to the faith of Jesus Christ in us. Which has become the faith by which we believe in him. Faith has an object and it issues from its object. Faith always comes from an object. You now I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, I lived in Taiwan for about a year, a long time ago. And in the Far East, one of the stones that's really uh, prized is jade stone. You know, in the West, we don't, you don't see a lot of jade. But if you go to the Far East, you'll see a lot of jade. And you can go into stores there, and they'll sell jade. Beautiful. They'll cut it in beautiful ways. You know what jade looks like? It's, kind of, it's a green stone, and maybe it's got some lighter shades in it. And, um, but they tell you, if you don't want to buy jade, don't go into a jade store. Because those jade salesmen know how to sell jade. Don't plan on going into a jade store without coming out with jade. Because what happens is you go into that store, and they just know how to show you that jade and appreciate it. You, you went in there, and you thought, jade, what's jade? <laughs> you know, I'm from the States. I don't even know what jade looks like. But then, you know, you just spend some time with him, you know, the, the jade salesman, and he's just there infusing you with jade. And, and your appreciation is just going up and up, and you're thinking, let's see, how much money do I have? How much of this stuff do I have? <laughs> So by the end, you leave with Jay, and he's got your money, yeah. right? Because he infused you with appreciation of Jay. Before Jay didn't mean anything to you, but he just made you believe, "Wow, this stuff is so incredibly precious." I wish I had had more money with me so I could have gotten more. Yeah. Well, that's Jay. That's vanity, right? <laughs> but what is the object of our faith? Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, so. Faith always has an object. In our case, our faith is in Jesus Christ. This object is Jesus, who is God incarnate. When man hears him, knows him, appreciates him, and treasures him, he causes faith to be generated in man, enabling man to believe in him. Isn't that your experience? We weren't born with this faith. We weren't mighty men of faith. But we heard about Jesus. We began to know Him. We started to appreciate Him. And then we even treasured Him. And we said, Lord Jesus, I love You. I love You, Lord. Praise the Lord. So He's the object of our faith. He causes faith to be generated in man, enabling man to believe in Him. thus, He becomes the faith in man by which man believes in Him. Hence, this faith becomes the faith in him And it's also the faith that belongs to him. He's the object. He's the source of this faith. And then he infuses it into us. And through our appreciation, what do we do? We believe. So you see, there's some traffic going on between us and the Lord. So you want to be a giant of faith? You know the secret of being a giant of faith? Log a lot of time with Jesus. Because the more time you spend with Jesus, the more you hear him. And the more you know Him. And the more you appreciate Him. And the more you treasure Him. Praise the Lord. Okay, so that's the object of our faith. So remember that as we get into this point of Abraham. Really, he's not that far removed from us. Okay, next point. Abraham is what? The father of faith. It's interesting. Noah believed God, but it doesn't say that he was the father of faith. Right? Right? There's others of the, of the history there that believe. Yeah. But Abraham is referred to as the father of faith. Okay, well, just consider that point. In, verse, in Romans 4.16, Therefore the inheritance is what? Out of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise may be certain to all the seed, not to that which is of the law only but also to that which is of the faith of Abraham. What's of the faith of Abraham? That's us. Most of us in here are Gentiles, right? We're not of the Jews. We're of the Gentiles. Who is the father of what? He's the father of us all. So, he was the beginning of the called race. Others, God used for his purpose. But God wanted a race. We were born in the race of Adam, the fallen race. But out of that fallen race, God called a man. And he infused that man. And that man touched his purpose. So he became what? The father of faith. And also what? The father of us all. And one point here. let's Here it says, As the father of all those called by God... Abraham was the first of a new race chosen by God. There was a new race on the earth. You know, we talk about the Chinese race or the black race or the Caucasian race or the Spanish. I don't know. All those are races. I don't know. But all these different races. But there's a new race. It's called the chosen race. And Abraham is the father of this race. And you know What? I don't care what the color of your skin. If you've been infused with the Lord Jesus Christ, you are now part of this race. Praise the Lord. You see? So we're identified with believing Abraham. We are his race. Abraham is our daddy.
1: He's our great, great
0: grandpa. Praise the Lord. So we were born into the fallen Adamic race, but we've been reborn into what? The called out Abrahamic race. He called us out. We're just like Abraham. Abraham was in this land, Ur of Chaldees. And you may not be um, familiar with Ur of Chaldees, but it was an idolatrous land. Idols everywhere. They believed in everything except the true God. That's where we live you ever heard of, you might think, well, America, we don't have idols here. Nobody's bowing down to idols. There's no shrine set up around here and incense going up. What about the American Idol? <laughs> what about UT football? What about, what about PhD program? What about the American dream? What are these? These are sophisticated idols. They're not physical idols, but people's hearts. An idol is whatever your heart just goes out. It's what you kiss. It's what you worship. It's what occupies your time in your heart. But praise the Lord, we've been called out of that. If you've had an infusion, you've been called out. If the Lord's appeared to you, you've been called out. And it may be weak, just like with Abraham. It was weak. He couldn't even get out of that land. His dad had to get him out of that land. But that's okay. That was just infusion number one. We just need a lot more of these heavenly, even transfusions. You know, transfusion is a cross. Something's in God and it goes trans. It goes from us, from him into us. It's not just something outside of us getting in, but it's something in God. God's heart, his desire, his longing, what he's after. It goes from him and it gets into us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. So we need a lot of these transfusions. Okay, so Abraham's faith, he believed God uh, concerning, specifically, it was concerning a seed numbering more than the stars of the heavens. In the next two weeks, we'll be getting into this matter of the seed in the land. So I won't touch that at all. And it was accounted to him as righteousness. So I just want to read this point. Believing God was Abraham's spontaneous reaction to God's repeated appearing to him. There are a number of times. It's striking. I don't know the total number. Maybe it's six or seven times. God appeared. He appeared to him in Mesopotamia. Right. He appeared to him in Haran. Right. And then he appeared to him again at Shechem and Bethel. Moreh. More. 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 Horeb. Horeb. He just appeared again and again. And he had failures along the way, some big failures. But God kept appearing. So we just have to keep ourselves open to God's appearing. Believing God was Abraham's spontaneous reaction to God's repeated appearing to him. God appeared to Abraham a number of times, each time transfusing something of his glory, something of himself into Abraham. And so Abraham's believing was actually the spring up within him of the very element that God had transfused into him. Hmm. This comes back to our faith, right? That the more that Christ, the object of our faith, gets infused into us, the more there's a response in us. And that's called faith. And now what? We, as the believers, are the corporate seed or descendant of Abraham doing what? Repeating his history. Yeah. Thousands of years later, brothers and sisters... We're here as a repetition of that one man. Mm -hmm. That is incredible. We're repeating his history. That's why we need to get into all the details. So we can repeat step by step. Because if the God of Abraham is going to be our God, we have to enter into all of his experiences. Okay, let's read Galatians 3, 7 together. Knowing then that they who are unobayed... These are sons of Abraham. And then in Romans 4.11, it mentions here uh, those who also walk in the steps of that faith. So we're just walking in those steps. It's like a little child following the steps of their parents, right? We're just following, 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 following. Whoever is of faith as Abraham was is a member of this new race and a son of Abraham. Okay, two items related, or three items related to Abraham. One, he was a river crosser. The word He was the first one in the Bible called a Hebrew. Genesis 14, 13, one who had escaped came and told Abraham the Hebrew. In Hebrew, it means a river crosser. Somebody from the other side of the river. And I looked up in Shabbat.org. I don't know if you ever gone to Shabbat.org. i had never gone there. But I wanted to see what the Jews had to say about what this word Hebrew means. And look what they said. Hebrew means the one who is opposed, on the other side, and different from all others. Is this your experience? If you've believed in the Lord, you definitely have this sense. Yeah, that's right. They're all going that way, and I'm going this way. I'm on the other side, different from all others. It's okay, brothers and sisters. In fact, we need to be different from all others. Not because we're trying to be peculiar. But because the God of glory has appeared to us. And when he's appeared, we have to take another way. Abraham, look at, listen to this. Abraham was a solitary believer in a sea of idolatry. That's where we are, brothers and sisters today. Of course, we're the corporate seed, though. Praise the Lord for the brothers and sisters. I'm not just here, Chris, you know, with the God of glory going on. (laughs) But I got you, brothers and sisters. We're the corporate seed. The corporate believer in a sea of idolatry. And so Romans 6, 4, I added that because our first river crossing was our baptism. So if you haven't been baptized yet, I would just encourage you, respond to the God of glory. Cross that river. Cross the sea of baptism. Okay. And then finally, Abraham living a life of an alternate intent. Um, Two points here. Genesis, let's read Genesis Well, I'll read it to you. Genesis 12. And Jehovah appeared to Abraham and said, "To your seed, I will give this land." And there he built an altar to Jehovah. This was in Shechem. So this was a this was the third appearing. He built an altar to Jehovah, who had appeared to him. And he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west. Bethel being the house of God, meaning house of God, and Ai on the east, meaning a heap of ruins. And there he built an altar to Jehovah and called upon the name of Jehovah. Um, the one point, There's many points here, but the one I want to emphasize is what is the first thing that happened in these verses? Before he built an altar, before he called on Jehovah, first thing, Jehovah appeared. No appearing, no altar. You may want to build an altar. You may want to consecrate. You may want to give yourself to the Lord. But even you want to, you'll find out you can't. Without God's appearing, we have no way to build an altar. What is that altar? It's not. It's not a sin offering altar. It's a burn offering altar. That it's related to consecration. It's a matter of giving ourselves to the Lord. In the Bible, an altar means that we have all for God and serve God. Building an altar means that we offer everything we are and have to God. Okay, who in this room, please raise your hand if you can offer everything that you are and have to God. Please raise your hand. What are we going to do? God wants all that we are and all we have. What are we going to do, Connor? Okay. <laughs> Transfusion. we got to get under the, the scene of the God of Lord and let him appear to us again and again. With each appearing, there's another altar. One appearing an altar, one appear, another appearing an altar. This is our daily life. This is why we have to spend time with the Lord in our daily life. Apart from this, we're just we can experientially be like the unbelievers, even though we are believers. But we can become like the unbelievers. We need the infusion and transfusion, right? No appearing, no altar. So remember that point. Okay, and then finally, he lived in a tent. Abraham dwelling in a tent, a movable bow testified he didn't belong to the world, but he lived the life of a sojourner on earth. Erecting a tent is an expression, a declaration we don't belong to this world. But we belong to a better country than New Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad you don't belong to this world? Yes. I tell you what. The longer I live in this world, the happier I am that I don't belong to it. I mean, when I was younger, I had some expectations and hope in the world. But, I mean, that, that faded quickly. I mean, it's getting close to zero right now. Oh, but the New Jerusalem, it's looking brighter and brighter. Praise the Lord. We're just here as tent dwellers.